you believe that this morning? He alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy the attention of the love that we have to offer, of the grace that he gives to us. We now return to him. Let us pray this morning. For you alone, God, are worthy. For you alone, God, are worthy of the praise that we bring. Worthy of all that we have to offer. Worthy of our love and worthy of our devotion and worthy of our exaltation, God. Lord, may, may we not forget, may we not forget to, to extend that to you, to offer all that we have in worship and love and devotion to you. I'm so grateful today. I'm so grateful for our church family and the ways in which I've seen that in us and through us during this season. That, that we again during this Advent season this time of waiting and expectation have, have turned our attention toward you and allowed that, that waiting and that anticipation to shape us and to develop in us an expectation that stirs deep within our soul and then as we celebrate Christmas Eve night and Christmas Day, the coming of the Christ child, God, the fulfillment of all that expectation, all that hope coming to pass. And, and as joyous as that is for us and, and, and as meaningful as that ritual and that celebration has become for us, our attention's been taken back 2,000 years to a lowly, out-of-the-way, out-of-the-spotlight moment in time. For the veil between heaven and earth was oh so thin, maybe even pulled back for just a moment as this baby arrived. We celebrated once again that you chose to come to us. You chose to come to creation in a way that looked so familiar, so routine, uh, just, a, just a baby born. And yet it was so new and so radical an idea that you would come as a child, live among us, Become one of us, serve us, minister to us, and then give your life for us. You are worthy of every praise that we could bring. You alone are worthy today, God. So we worship you today. Today we want to lift uh, those in our congregation up to you who have needs many of which are, are not spoken, um, some of which that are. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those that are, are recovering um, and in the process uh, of that journey. I pray that you would strengthen their bodies, that you would give them health today, and that you would restore their, their bodies 
um, to full function and that a quality of life would return for them today as there are those that are struggling with loneliness or struggling with uh, mental illness, God. I pray that you would minister to them and, and go to them in these moments and let them feel and know and experience and be shaped by your love, God. May they know they have a church family that loves them and is caring for them, wants to care for them, wants to lift them up today and hold them up. I pray for those that... Uh, over this Christmas season, uh, plans had to be changed and they're feeling the grief and the loss of that. God, I pray that you would minister to them and that you would, uh, your, your presence would just be real and rich for them and buoy them and hold them during these days. We're so grateful for the chance to gather in person and even through technology online. God, what a gift that is. Thank you that your presence knows no boundaries and knows no limits. May you be near to us today and may we learn from you. Speak directly to our hearts, directly to our minds. This day I pray in Christ's name, amen. Lily, I like those slippers. Those are fancy. Good morning. It's good to gather in church. It's good to have the Christ candle lit this morning. For Christ has come and Christ is with us. Um, I want to continue to wish you a Merry Christmas on this, the third day of Christmas. You know, three French hens. I don't know. I didn't bring any French hens to give away today. But uh, that, would, that would add some liveliness in church if we all brought French hens. I'm not sure what French hens are. But anyway, I will not be demonstrating the, the 12 days of Christmas today. Um, but the 12 days are an actual thing. Uh, and in most traditions, they, they start on Christmas Day. They continue through January 5th, uh, which is 12 days, if you count them up, capped off by Epiphany um, on January 6th, which is, uh, is a moment in the, the church calendar where we remember uh, the coming of the Magi, the coming of the wise men. Um, for us, we are going to look uh, again into Luke for this, the first Sunday after Christmas. Um, then we turn to John the next week and actually um, we'll use an epiphany text on Sunday, uh, January 10th, um, the Sunday after uh, epiphany. The reason for that is on epiphany, which is a Wednesday night, we're hosting our Wesleyan covenant service. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you can, to set aside that day and come and join us on Wednesday, uh, January 6th for the Wesleyan Covenant Service. But today, uh, let's turn to the Gospel of Luke from chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 22 and reading through verse 40. It's a longer passage uh, for us this morning. But as you're able, if you would, would you stand in, in reverence for the reading of God's Word today? Reading from the Gospel of Luke, starting chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. 
the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared the salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer day and night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, this past week, I was listening to the kids watch a movie in our van, you know, that big brown bus Nissan van out in the parking lot that yeah that's ours uh the movie was Storks okay and if if you don't know the premise of this movie Storks um there there's this baby girl and she has to be delivered to her family and this stork and this person kind of team up and are on this mission to deliver this baby girl along the way one of their biggest threats is the wolf pack Okay, uh, and at one point, the stork and the and the person are tied up. I think they're hanging upside down, uh, and this baby is carried in by a wolf, who declares, "I've caught the kid. I am the alpha." Wants to be alpha of the wolf pack, right? Uh, and, and unfortunately, whenever there's one who wants to be alpha, there's another one who thinks that that's not. A great idea. So there's this challenger that comes in, and they they says, "No, I want to be the alpha." And so the two, the two wolves kind of get into it, start, you know, beating up on each other a little bit, uh, you know, classic cartoon duel. Well, in the middle of this duel, the baby giggles as she's watching these two uh, kind of fight and kind of go at it. And what do the wolves do? Like in, in mid-punch or in mid-attack, they both look at the baby and are like, Oh, like just just kind of melt in the middle of this this fight. And so what do they do? They they do it again, but this time not fighting each other, just wanting to get the baby to, you know, kind of coo and giggle. Uh, and then they do it again. Why do I tell this story? Because it's true. This is the power of babies. I am completely in awe of the power of babies, right? Is this true? This is true. The toughest guys get completely jelly-legged. 
Um, I've, seen, I've seen big, tough guys who are like, I, I don't know what to do with the baby. I don't, I don't want to break the baby. Um, won't, even, won't even touch them. Guys with big, deep, husky voices. Turn into these little guys with this high, squeaky voice. They go goo-goo-ga-ga for babies. I am the deepest offender. I, 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 I turn into a different person in, in the presence of newborns. Our, our text today points to Jesus, Jesus' presentation uh, at the temple. And, and as this text is set up, we, we learn a little bit about Mary and Joseph. Um, in these opening scriptures, we, we find that Mary and Joseph are, are devout uh, following the rituals of, of ancient Israel, from the naming of their child to the rituals that they, they go through and, and the, that they do for their son. And this, this, uh, this ritual of purification that they go to the temple, they were in it. They were faithful and devout. We also learn that Mary and Joseph were, are humble, and that they were poor. Um, they, the, the sacrifice that they give at temple that was mentioned, the two turtle doves, or the two, um, I think it was pigeons, um, are, are a Levitical provision for families who can't offer the sacrifice that's prescribed by law. We understand that, that they wanted to be faithful. They wanted to do what was right in the eyes of God. And yet they came from a humble place. And they came from little means. But they brought Jesus to the temple. And as they come, excuse me, as they come to the temple, we're introduced to a couple of different characters that we find there. Now, as we we, uh, go through the lectionary texts, we've transitioned as we come to Christmas from year A to year B. Um, and if you're not familiar with the lectionary, that's fine. But they're, they're, a, they're a series of, of three years of biblical texts that we use to, to make sure that we kind of cover the whole of Scripture as we're preaching. And, and I like to stick fairly close to the lectionary cycle. Um, at times, we'll, we'll take different journeys away from it. But um, the three different years focus on the three synoptic Gospels. So year A, which we were in last year, focused on Matthew talked a lot about Matthew last year, if you were paying attention. This year is focused on Mark, and actually the third year is focused on Luke. But in Christmas time, we get to come back to Luke fairly often, because Luke and Matthew are really the only two Gospels that talk about the coming of Jesus. So, so Luke is this detailed Gospel. Uh, known, Luke was known as a, a physician by trade, and as you read this Gospel, you'll you'll see that there are lots of little details included in this gospel. And that's what we get with these two characters that we meet at Temple. We meet Simeon and we meet Anna. Um, and one commentator, Joel Green, calls them character references. When we're introduced to these people, we just learn loads of information about them. Okay, So let's start with Anna. She came second, but let's start with Anna, the prophetess. What do we learn? We learn her dad's name, Phanuel. I don't know any Phanuels. Do you know any Phanuels? I don't know that. That's not a common name. Um, we learn her family tribe is from Asher. Not only do we learn that she's very old, we learn how old she is. She's 84. Um, she was married, married for seven years. Um, and then she kind of becomes the first evangelist. 
What does it say? She meets Jesus and she starts telling everybody about Jesus and becomes the first person to really proclaim outside of maybe the angels who encouraged the shepherds to go see the baby Jesus. She kind of becomes the first evangelist. Then there's Simeon. Then we learn about Simeon. He gets a little bit of a character reference too. He's known to be righteous, known to be a devout. He anticipated the restoration of Israel. Uh, Knew something significant was coming and he was waiting. But the really exciting thing, the fascinating thing really, is that here we have a mention of all three persons in the Trinity in this text, if you're paying attention. Okay, we talked, we've talked about this before. Anytime this happens, you know, theologians get all happy and smiley. Biblical scholars light up. I'm not either one of those things, um, just a pastor. But I, I like noticing these things as well, that, that all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned. Simeon, first of all, Simeon is known as a man upon whom the Holy Spirit has come to rest. What a character reference. Don't you want that to be said of you? Uh, Simeon was a man on whom the Holy Spirit rested. And number two, we have Jesus in the room. Jesus is a baby in the arms of Simeon. And what happens when Simeon gets to hold the baby? Scripture says that he praised God. So there you have it. This, this reference, this character reference that Luke is talking about mentions the Holy Spirit. Has Jesus Christ in the room as the form of a baby and Simeon praising God. Now, we know that the Gospels were some of the latest books about the Bible to be written. And Luke was likely around the year 80, if, if scholars are correct. So talk about the Holy Spirit appearing before Pentecost in the life of this man, Simeon, is really remarkable. Uh, the author of Luke is also believed to be the author of Acts. And, and Acts 2 is where we see the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, if you remember that text. Um, but it says Simeon had the Holy Spirit. And there's evidence that Simeon had the Holy Spirit. What does it say? It says the Holy Spirit led Simeon that day to be in the temple. The, the, the Spirit would lead him to be at the temple that day. Again, Green wrote this. He said, this appointment is not the result of divine coercion. That God didn't, didn't drag Simeon to temple that day. He didn't say, today is the day, Mary and Joseph, and, and out, of their, out of their control they were taken to temple. No, it wasn't the result of divine coercion. He goes on and says, this encounter is dependent upon the obedience of these human actors who by their actions are helpers or supporters of the divine purpose. I want to be a person like that. I want to be a person so in tune with the Holy Spirit, so in tune that that I can get on board with what God is doing. That I can see that, that I can respond to that. I believe there's a cooperation involved between creator and creation. We get to see what God is doing and participate and choose to be a part of what God is doing. And it's in this moment, it's in this rendezvous that Simeon has this moment of fulfillment. He gets to hold the child. I'm not sure about old men holding babies. I'm not sure I'd recommend that. Um, but, but 
But for Simeon, this was a fulfillment of a promise that the Holy Spirit had given to him. Such a significant moment. He literally says, okay, I can die now. (laughs) Okay, it has been fulfilled. (laughs) Did somebody follow him home? Like, (laughs) has anyone checked on Simeon? Um, But the declarations he makes about Jesus in this moment are stunning. Praying to God, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Somehow, Somehow Simeon was so in tune with God, so in tune with his purposes and what God was up to. He, he, he somehow knew and, and was able to connect this baby boy with the salvific plan of God. God had a plan for us. It says the salvation that was prepared in front of all peoples was become It was to become revelation for the Gentiles and glory for the Israelite nation. Even in this early stage, we think that we think that Gentiles were kind of added to the fold after Jesus was resurrected, and after the Jews kind of said, "Ah, we're not sure about Jesus," and Paul took it to the to the Gentiles. This is Simeon in the temple at Jerusalem among Jews saying, this will be revelation. This baby boy will be revelation even to the Gentiles. I'm trying to think about what what, what are some modern equivalents? What would this be like for this baby boy, eight eight days old, being brought to the temple? (laughs) What are some modern equivalents? This baby is going to be a quarterback in the NFL and known around the world. It's going to be the greatest athlete ever. This baby's going to become a famous inventor, file all these patents, is going to solve clean energy around the world. This baby will solve hunger problems around the globe. How do you deal with that? As a mom and a dad, how would you deal with that news? Astonished and amazed, um, you know, Mary and Joseph revealed what their son would would eventually do, (laughs) sign a talent agent, (laughs) try to get on reality TV, start up an Instagram account. I don't think they did any of these things. There's this pattern and this trend that emerged for this young couple that God is up to something new. That God is up to something new. Both had been visited by the angel. We heard that in the story of Christmas. God was up to something big and beautiful and something new in the life of this baby. And as Simeon hands this baby back into their arms, Simeon pronounces this ominous future for this child, Jesus Christ. The rising of many, the falling of many, and the designation as a sign that will generate opposition in the world in which we live and a sword that will pierce Mary's innermost being as well. What do Mary and Joseph do in this moment? Well, the evidence suggests two things. Number one, they remain sensitive to the Spirit's leading and to the rhythms of faithful worship. They didn't let it go to their heads. 
They didn't treat Jesus any different. They continued to worship God as they had always done, believing that God was up to something significant and yet finding that significance in their day-to-day lives. They simply remained sensitive. It would be later that we hear about Jesus being left at temple, right? Do you remember that story where he was left as a child and found in the temple courts <laughs> teaching, the, teaching the religious leaders? I don't think that happened by accident. I think they raised Jesus faithful to the Spirit's leadings and to the rhythms of faithful worship. Number two, they lived faithful and devoted lives. They went back home. Uh, Joseph continued his carpentry uh, and probably mentored his son. Mary raised and nurtured her child and eventually her children as they would come. There's an author, uh, Henry, Henry James Thoreau, that penned the line that said this, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. I haven't read this book. It comes from the book Walden. But his line really references that, that in this world in which he lived, he saw that enough people spinning and spinning and chasing after the goals of wealth and the goals of, of significance um, chasing after achievements, chasing after notoriety, these elusive goals. And he said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. I believe Mary and Joseph stand counter to that. I see them as re- revealed in this gospel account leading lives of quiet faithfulness. And I see that as our call as well, to love our families, to love them deeply, to to be the church with and for one another, to care deeply for the other, for those around us, for, for our neighbors, and to reach out to initiate to those who tend to be cast aside, who live on the margins of society, but to live faith fully, full of faith in the meantime, tending to rhythms of worship, listening for the voice of the Spirit and its leadings. I pray that next time you get to hold a newborn baby, I hope you think of Simeon. I hope you think of Anna and and the hope and the promise that they saw in this little baby and the joy that baby Jesus brought them that day. I'm going to ask the praise team, if they would, to please come forward. Today, in a special way, we have the opportunity to receive Christ Jesus as we remember the death and sacrifice of our Lord and Savior through the sacrament of communion. In some ways, it's odd today. In some ways, Christmas is about his birth, right? And the start of his life and and communion Communion is a remembrance of the sacrifice that he made. But in some ways, it's a perfect response to Simeon's prophecy. The prophecy that surely points our attention to the mission, to the purpose of why Jesus came, which was ultimately fulfilled and ultimately um, given, given life as Christ sacrificed 
on, on the cross for us. Here in the Church of the Nazarene, we practice open communion. That means you don't have to be a member or, or a frequent attender to participate in communion with us. You simply have to be following Jesus Christ and that you've chosen to do life with Jesus. Um, and again, I just remind if you're joining us online, um, we will be serving communion out in the parking lot for kind of a drive-up communion up till I think about 1230 is our timing. And so invite you to, to do that. In just a moment, we'll share communion together. But as you pause and as you reflect, I just invite you to hold those elements um, as we sing. Um, and as we conclude the song, then we'll take the, the elements of communion together. Let's sing. It was on the night that he was betrayed. He and his followers gathered for the Passover meal. And during that meal, he, he broke tradition. Uh, during that meal, he did things just a bit differently. In the middle of the meal, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them, giving thanks and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you share this meal, do so in remembrance of me. I invite you to take the bread. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup Having given thanks, he shared it with them and said, this cup represents my blood, the blood of a new covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins of many. Now, take the juice and partake. Christ came. Noticed by Simeon and Anna, Mary and Joseph were told, this will change everything. And he lived his life, served, lived among us, and gave his life. We celebrate that today. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you today for your love and thank you for how you speak to us how you lead us, how you help us to grow. We worship you this day and are so thankful for the sacrifice that you gave to us. Today, help us, help us, Lord, to receive you as king, to lead our lives. <laughs> and may all we are, may may. May all that we choose to do in our lives be in worship to you. Be with us this week, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Mm -hmm.